0: guys, I'm Richard Fitzgerald. This is Dubai Works, where we interview the business leaders making a difference in this great city. That business with scalability was very interesting to me.
1: I like doing something that has legacy.
0: So for newer listeners to Dubai Works, I wanted to just give a background to how it started. It was a collaboration with the government of Dubai Media Office at the end of 2018. And we, we did it for one year and it was position Dubai as a business capital. So we spoke to a lot of people, but it's taken natural organic uh, flow since then. We're almost uh, three and a half years in, three and a half years in exactly, I guess, today, uh, first of July. And, uh, you know, we really sort of, Uh, continue to just look for guests that can speak on behalf of running businesses in Dubai. So founders, CEOs, people who know what it's like to do business here, whether it's startups or big companies or SMEs. There's so much vibrancy, there's so many business people in this city, and it's really easy to get guests uh, because there's just so many that we don't know of and they all have interesting stories. Um, And often, uh, comms agencies pitch us ideas, send us guests through, Uh, We think of those criteria and then we think of what sector is it and usually it's a mix of sectors. And today we actually have one of those PR agencies who are a similar story to that as well on the show. Enjoy the conversation. Welcome back to another episode of Dubai Works Business Podcast. This week my guest is Anishka Gahani. She is the founder and CEO of Yardstick Marketing. Uh, And today we're going to be talking all about how... Anishka uh, put together a PR agency dedicated to finding the best marketing solutions. Uh, PR and marketing services has evolved and uh, Yardstick Marketing, look at a 360 uh, approach. Uh, they have specialised in F&B technology, fashion, fitness and beauty industry, industry lifestyle brands. Uh, and we'll talk about the industry in Dubai and plans for the future. Good morning, Anishka.
1: Good morning, Rochelle. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Thanks for coming in. So, yeah, in the past, uh, we've had guests that you your agency has brought on to buy works. And now we get to speak to you.
1: Absolutely. Thank you so much for all that support. Everyone who has been here has truly enjoyed their experience just having that conversation with you.
0: And that's kind of what you do, isn't it? Like, you, you, you know, the guests that we would have had on weren't necessarily in the marketing industry. They're across those different sectors. And uh, you put them in front of media and outlets and, and we were lucky enough to interview some of those names as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And um, one of the things is as an agency, we're extremely passionate about SME business and startups mainly. And most of the clients of the agency today are from this particular space The reason for that is platforms like yours give us and give them the opportunity to essentially showcase their businesses as well. Because if you look at each of these founders, they all have a different vision, they all have dreams, and it's so important for us as an agency to bring those stories out. And all thanks to you and the media who helps us do exactly what we're trying to do as yeah. an agency.
0: So how did you, thank you for that, and I appreciate it, but I wanted to give context in, in the work and a real example. And, mm-hmm. and I think it's, you know, I, what we're trying to do on Dubai Works is speak to businesses and founders as well and of, across sector. And, you know, that's why we're speaking to you today yeah. <laughs> in terms of Yardstick marketing. But how did you get into it? Were you Were you working in the industry? Where did you study and when did you set up Yardstick?
1: So I'm a third generation entrepreneur. Amazing. Uh, My grandparents came to Dubai in the 70s, uh, followed by dad, uh, who was a banker. And then I grew up in Dubai. I studied marketing, uh, graduated from uh, the American College of Dubai, uh, majors in marketing. And then I started my journey uh, with an agency, with a marketing agency specializing in PR. And this was back in 2004. Now since 2004, we've seen a lot of evolution where it comes to the space. So essentially my journey with the agency was about eight years, uh, where I learned everything that I did uh, that I do today. And in 2012, I wanted to do things differently. and that's when I started uh, Yardstick marketing. So today, in August, in fact, we complete 10 years of our uh, business journey. It's been a fabulous Amazing. ride. I would say quite a roller coaster ride as well. Ups and downs, highs and lows. But we've enjoyed the highs and we've also learned from the lows. Um, And so that's where it all began. And today I think it's been about 18 years and uh, going strong.
0: 18 years in the industry. Yes. Yeah, amazing. That's fascinating. Lots to unpack there. I think, you know, it's incredible that people who are... Uh, who've been here a long time, like you grew up here, uh, you're a third generation entrepreneur, but your parents moved here as well. Yes. Um, and uh, how, how, have, how have you found that, that, you know, was Dubai always going to be the place when you were growing up where you always had dreams of sort of doing something yourself here as well, like your parents?
1: To be honest, um, uh, Dubai has always been a land of opportunities and opportunities do come in your way every single day. Um, It's just about essentially noticing them, picking it up and moving from there. So when we came to Dubai, like when we were growing up, it was extremely different to what it is today. And um, uh, one thing being that we're so proud and so happy to be a part of this country. I don't think I would want to live anywhere else apart from Dubai. Purely because of the vision, um, what we see coming up on a day-to-day basis, there's always things that are building, there's action in motion you know so and that's what we love about the city
0: definitely and you know so when you were studying and working for in sort of eight years within the industry um did you have in mind that you want to do something yourself does the fact that you're you come from family of entrepreneurs lead you to be more entrepreneurial or was it just a, a natural evolution of you know what do you do after rising in a career is the natural thing to set up marketing services company yourself?
1: I think I always had the burning desire to do things differently. So at the agency, we did some fabulous work, but all of those were with Fortune 500 companies and corporates. Um, I think the gap that I saw at that stage was that very few SMEs believe in the power of PR or actually know uh, about it. They really don't know how a PR strategy or a PR campaign or a PR vision can turn around a company. Hmm. So this is where I wanted to do things differently. And that's the pure reason that I started Yachtstick.
0: Um, Uh, so, So you wanted to do things differently, but did you have in mind that you wanted to be an entrepreneur and a businesswoman as well?
1: Um, yes, yes, but it just happened at that time. And I said, okay, I had my second child. Uh, my daughter was only 45 days and I decided I needed a working schedule as well, like, a you know, a flexible working schedule. Uh, I had two kids by then. And, um, yeah, and that's, that's one of the major reasons I decided to start my own agency.
0: That's interesting. Uh, one of our recent guests said the same thing as well, that, you know, uh, health and quality of life and family is a reason to be an entrepreneur whereas that's you know not intuitive it's usually the other way around it's usually <laughs> uh if you're if you're starting a business you have to sacrifice family and time but I guess the flexibility part of it is is true
1: yeah absolutely um even with uh, two kids today so my kids are 17 and 10 And uh, I enjoy both of them. I think in the last 10 years, they've grown and I've grown as a a mom as well as a parent. Um, But having a business, it doesn't mean that it's easier than having a job. I can definitely vouch for that. It just means a lot more commitment and a lot more self-discipline. Now, when I say self-discipline, because as a mom, as an entrepreneur, there's so many different things that we juggle on a day-to-day basis Uh, And so a calendar becomes extremely important. Scheduling becomes extremely important. Prioritizing becomes the most important. Um, I think more often today I say no, than I say yes to a lot of things. And that helps me ensure everything is in control in the right direction uh, and moving strategically forward as well.
0: Mm, Definitely. And Anishka, so when you were starting in 2012, the PR industry was changing a bit. Before we go into the industry, Mm -hmm. can you just describe... You know, the services that Yardstick provides. You know, there's traditional PR, but is there digital? Is there social? Is there talent management? What's the breadth of your services?
1: So, we are an integrated marketing consultancy. And when I say integrated marketing, we essentially thrive on media communications. Um, It all starts with PR. PR today is online and offline, and digital is a huge part of any PR campaign. We are very strong on social media and influencer marketing along with digital marketing. So those are the four key services. If I have to sum it up, I would say PR, digital marketing, influencer marketing, and social media.
0: Okay, brilliant. And uh, what size is your team now? How many clients do you have? Or what's the journey so far?
1: So we are a team of 16 and we are growing. Uh, We have just set our foot into India as a market. We see that as a great opportunity. Uh, we do have a back office in India as we speak. And um, in terms of where we are at as an agency, again, uh, like I mentioned, a lot of work with the startup space, a lot of um, marketing for startups, especially because these are the guys who are looking at perhaps raising funding yeah. um, you know, or have uh, the ambition and aspiration of getting acquired someday as well so we essentially sit down with startup founders understand their vision create and curate a strategy just for them
0: it's so, it's different work isn't it because it's different to working with a corporate who's got who has everything set up and the stories are different whereas it's more hands-on with a startup
1: absolutely maybe
0: more exciting and you can do you know comms can really lead everything
1: it can and I truly believe every business today is only about two functions business, uh, which is business as usual, so innovation and marketing. Mm. How well you innovate is absolutely up to the founder, but how you market is where you need that expertise, and that's where we come in.
0: That's a fairly bold statement, isn't it, to say that, <laughs> that every business is are those two things. What about people? What about products?
1: Uh, people and products obviously are a big part of any and every organization, yeah. but as a founder, if you look at your business, it essentially is the two key things is how well do you innovate? Mm -hmm. How well you adapt? How flexible you are as an organization in order to take in all that change? Because given any different industry we are in today, there is so much change. There's so much of evolution, especially with technology, especially with AI coming in. There's so much happening in every industry. And so innovation becomes extremely key. It becomes the differentiating factor. And also marketing how well you market yourself because mm. you may be a fabulous company, but you're not really talking about yourself.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's storytelling, it's communication, isn't it? Yeah. And that's what, again, a marketing services consultancy is good at. Um, interesting. So what, so what are the sort of the, you know, setting up the business? It's a long time ago now, but what are some of the the milestones along the way? You know, um, did you, marketing services generally Uh, is something that doesn't receive investments. So you're forced to be profitable from the start. And then um, how was that? And how was winning your first clients and the kind of early stages of the company?
1: Um, What's worked for us as a business is relationships, to be very honest. Right from day one, um, I personally have been extremely close to my clients. Uh, And you would say, how do you do that today? I yet ensure I do it um, in a manner in which they know I'm around and if there's anything, they can yet give me a call. Yeah. And I think as an owner of a boutique agency, it allows us to do that because we want I want to stay close to my clients. I do need to understand what their vision is and be invested in that big goal. So I think one of the things that has really worked for us is relationship building for sure. And uh, secondly, the people that I work with, the team that I work with, uh, you've interacted with a few of them. And I think I'm extremely proud of all of them in the office. Um, The sort of level of passion and positivity they bring to work every single day uh, ensures that, uh, you know, all the busy periods are fun. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I, I guess that's that's those are the two key things.
0: Uh, definitely, but and and in terms of the sort of milestones, I guess we can talk about the pandemic. But um, you know, do you look at sort of planning? Do do, do you look at sort of five years, ten years? Um, you know, or is it important to you to uh, is it important to, to to keep it like a boutique agency that does quality work with that lifestyle balance? Um, and uh, are, you know. At what stage were you after two, three years versus seven, eight years versus where where you will be?
1: Uh, we're absolutely for growth, Richard. Uh, from here on, as we embark on our 10th year as an agency, there are some huge growth plans for Yardstick, and that does include regional expansion, And also um, looking at adding on a couple of more services. So expansion is definitely on the cards. Growth is something I am extremely keen on and very bullish on as well especially given the nature of our industry we see a lot of opportunity i see a lot of gaps and i do have a vision as to how we're able to grow in the next 3 to 5 years i wouldn't say i have a, a thought of a 10 year plan but yes we do have a 3 to 5 year plan
0: okay i think we'll touch on that again at the end but sure. you know generally the the comms and marketing service industry is on a retainer basis mm-hmm. and you know you mentioned being really closely to your clients is that something that you sort of think is a business model that still works and have you had clients over the long period of time as well
1: we have i have had uh, one of our oldest clients in fact is a client that i inherited from my last agency has been with us for the last 18 years. Oh, yes. incredible. And uh, they are a global brand and they continue to grow with us uh, purely because of the trust and the level of services they do believe in us. Um, especially, again, it's the relationship. As we move forward, um, how I intend growing this, obviously as a boutique agency owner, you uh, eventually it does get tough to stay connected with everyone. Uh, but it's about passing the culture to the right people. And that's, something I've been able to. So we do have um, people in, in the organization who are very well versed with the value system, with the way we look after clients, with the processes. And it's also about setting in the right structure. Um, so I think in the last 10 years, we've been able to do that. And these are the, uh, you know, the, the team is essentially going to drive it forward much more than I will. Moving forward.
0: Interesting. It's interesting how you back that up, the culture with with things like structure and values and things like that, that they obviously are unique to yardstick and unique to what you've crafted. Does that mean, you know, that recruitment and identifying the right professionals to join that is something that you take a lot of time out and how do you kind of go about bringing people on board
1: so talent acquisition has been one of the key areas that I personally focus on uh, purely because we want um, we've always hired people obviously for the skill set but more so for the attitude um, and the mindset so yes skill is something we uh, because as, as, a, as an agency culture every organization is different Um, And our organization is extremely different as well. So uh, we really look for people who have a positive mindset, who have the attitude to adapt um, and to learn and are hungry to learn. Mm. And that's essentially what we look at. And especially that's where I get involved in myself.
0: And you yourself studied in Dubai. So you obviously have faith and mass on the education system uh, here. And, you know, and we do too. We are a lot of people who who studied in Dubai. Do you, do you recruit from Dubai? Do you recruit from the universities?
1: Yes, we do. We've been very big on universities, um, hiring from universities, I must say. Um, So we, when I started the business, it was essentially it was myself and there were interns who used to come in and do the reporting. Um, and that's that's essentially how I started. And till today, we always have interns at Yardstick because one of the biggest um, things that I personally believe in, you've got to give back. And that's uh, our little way of giving back to the younger generation to mold them in the right direction, to give them that exposure that they need at that age and stage uh, in order to mold them for the future. So yeah. I think this is a very big part of uh, what we do as an agency. We always have interns. We love the energy they bring in. We love the creativity they bring in as well. And uh, they've been a very huge part of uh, Yardstick's success today, I would say.
0: And it's a great way, isn't it? Of, if you're very clear on your values and you're very clear on what you need to make work for Yardstick, then it's a great way to identify that. It's. For, to see how people work, yeah. you know? So, um, yeah, I think it's, I, I can relate to that and I think see how it's important. So and it's just, so two questions around the business of PR and comms, mm-hmm. you know, one related to the region. How um, have you found, have, have you found that clients have always understood the, the function of services you know this is a region who understands um you know real estate and understands price of objects related to tangible things have you found that services has been a harder thing uh, from say or has it improved in the last sort of not exactly 20 years but in that time yeah. um do you think that you know uh services is a hard sell here
1: I believe uh, in our industry, digital has made it much more easier. Okay. Because um, as business owners, we all understand numbers, and digital gives us those numbers be it engagement rates, be it conversion rates, be it. Uh, and we always say, listen, with PR, especially, it's very intangible. Having said that, we do have our measurement mechanics in place, but it always gets easier where it comes to digital. Yeah. And uh, that's what's helped us. Uh, is it a challenge talking to clients about it? I think the clients today are quite educated. They do understand what they are in. Uh, they do understand the limitations of measurement. Uh, but then for us, the way we've tackled something like this is we set very clear KPIs at the start of every given project or retainer. And uh, that makes it extremely clear for clients what they can expect. Mm. And that makes it very clear for the agency as well, what is it to be delivered. So we do work very closely towards KPIs and measure those very closely. So everyone's happy at the end of the day.
0: Okay, interesting. So I I guess if you if you say what you're going to deliver and deliver it, there's no there's no debate Absolutely. over what was delivered. Um, you know, marketing services as well, like traditionally independent services companies might stay independent or they might look at a conglomerate to acquire them. Um, that landscape has kind of shifted when the holding companies have changed in the last sort of 10 years or so. But in the past, um, that was really what people would, sometimes what people would set up, Mm-hmm. Um, a marketing services company for to look at being acquired. Did you ever think of that? Was that something that popped into your head over the years?
1: Um, I started it purely out of the passion, as I mentioned, and I did see a big gap in the market because yeah. the bigger agencies only want to talk to the corporates. Yeah. Um, the smaller agencies, again, find it hard to survive, especially with uh, given the financial conditions, uh, be it a pandemic or be it, you know, managing cash flows. Um, the gaps I saw were very simple. There were very few agencies talking to the SME market. And if you look at Dubai, as I mentioned, we are an SME market, a thriving SME market. Um, The aspiration of getting acquired is something we've never had. We've only looked internally on how we can improve our processes, our structures, our revenues, our bottom lines. Um, but yes, if in future, why not? We can always, uh, that that is something that can always be considered if a good opportunity
0: arises. And But, you know, from an industry point of view, do you think that that opportunity still exists? You know, the, you know what I'm referring to, the sort of holding groups like the WPPs, mm-hmm. the publicists, when mm-hmm. they would acquire Hill and Knowlton, or whatever mm-hmm. in the past. Like, is that still there? Do people still shop around for up and coming uh, independent SME focused agencies? And do they bring them into their group or is that is that kind of fading away now as they challenge with their business model as, as marketing services becomes more challenged?
1: I think what I see is obviously marketing agencies are one side and looking at acquisition in order to enter new markets. Uh, that is something that will never go away. But what I see in Dubai and what I see in the UAE is the fact that there is a number of group of companies and these are uh, businesses who are into diverse businesses and are looking at acquiring a marketing business purely so that that marketing agency is able to service the other group businesses. Uh, and this is something that is quite interesting and is what we see as the trend moving forward as well.
0: Okay, that's a really interesting perspective. And, you know, other, so what I guess the other question around, um, yes, there was a gap in the market. Do you think that gap is still there uh, at least from my perspective with, with Love in Dubai, we see a lot of uh, comms agencies working with F&B mm-hmm. and it seems competitive. Like I wouldn't like to be on the other side sometimes um, when I see this sort of, and, and the, the quick turnover of clients with other agencies and the turnover of uh, PR professionals within those agencies. Like it's, it, it, it's something that we have first hands. View of um, is that a re- is that a reflection of how the market has changed over the years since you started?
1: Um, or would the, you
0: agree to that or disagree? The,
1: with? Yeah, absolutely agree, absolutely agree, hands down. And the turnover and the turnarounds are always going to be a part of uh, the business that we are in. Um, having said that, is that an issue today, The uh, addressing the SME market? No longer. It's no longer an issue. But yes, innovation in our industry is definitely a gap that I see. Yeah. Now, when I talk about innovation, a lot of agencies obviously find it a little harder to adapt, uh, especially with technology coming in. And there's so much of technology coming in, uh, be it uh, within each of those spheres which I spoke about. So be it social media, digital marketing… There's so many new softwares today. So back in the day, we never had a cost for subscription of anything. Yeah, But today <laughs> we have subscriptions to pay. And uh, yes, they make us look better. And they grow uh, when sure. your
0: team grows, <laughs> each person, like it becomes a big sparse cost, doesn't it? It
1: does. <laughs> so marketing automation, uh, subscriptions definitely have grown. Yeah. And uh, I think what is going to stay is uh, the innovation. Exactly. As I mentioned, uh, adapting to new practices um, as soon as you can and, uh, you know, bringing in a lot more automation and uh, uh, digital uh, digitalization within an organization as well.
0: So after after 18 years in the industry, how do you stay? You seem to be still positive and passionate about it. How do you stay focused on that? You know, I I ask this for two reasons. One is sometimes people dealing with clients for a long time kind of say, I'm sick of it and I want to do something else. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to launch a product or I want to do something else. And then the other reason is people stop believing in agencies. They stop Mm -hmm. believing in marketing services. They go we can't compete with the Googles. We can't, you know, people are doing things in-house and they find reasons for uh, for not believing any, any longer that the, the agency's marketing services can perform a, a function and a, be commercially viable. So how do you kind of, how do you uh, still believe?
1: Um, honestly, Richard, I don't believe in competition to start with. Uh, there is work for all of us and there is a lot of work coming in as well. So I come from a very abundant mindset to start with. um, And that's what keeps me and the agency so positive. There's always work. You do good work. And trust me, for us, 90% of our clientele comes through word of mouth. And that word of mouth is through our clients. So our clients are our biggest brand ambassadors. I yet believe that a good service goes a long way. So that's where the value system is extremely important. So the fundamentals are very right. We do not, uh, we always ensure, you know, at least in my practice, I always ensure 99% client satisfaction. And I do say 99% because there's always that 1% of clients who aren't really happy. And that's where the process piece comes in. Um, It's not about, uh, you know, just taking on clients and not being able to service them. Um, it's extremely important. Every client of Yardstick is given that treatment where we truly believe that we need to be handholding holding uh, that person, that organization through their journey as they do what they do in their business. Mm-hmm. So going back, um, is it, yeah. So like I say, the way we keep relevant is ensuring we are innovating. We are working on our processes very closely. We are training our people as well. Because they are the brand ambassadors. So internal trainings are extremely important. What do you talk to your client? What do you Mm -hmm. say to the client? Why is a client important? And why is it not cool to lose a client even till today? Mm -hmm. Um, I try my best not to lose clients. And I know my team strives extremely hard. And it's not about losing a client. It's essentially about ensuring they become raving fans. Uh, And and, and that's what we've been able to do over the last 10 years. Create that... Whole base of raving fans.
0: Brilliant, uh, interesting. Uh, but so, but you you still believe in the marketing services part? You still think if you can innovate, there's still a role, even though as media fragments and that we move further and further. You you still believe in that positioning of the business?
1: I do, I so, do. It's so. For example, we're doing a podcast today. Back yeah. in the day, that this never existed. It's a it's another way to bring out a message. So to me, I see this as a big opportunity. There are more and more channels today, be it digital, be it, um, you know, through audio, through video. There's so much happening. There are more ways to bring out a message. Yes, the question for us as an agency would always exist, how we can adapt to the evolving and changing media landscapes and that is always going to be there, but if you ask me, um, is there a future? I think this future is extremely bright.
0: Brilliant, yeah, and yeah, I think you answered that quite well in ter- terms of where I was going next with this, like from moving from print and other types of media to, mm-hmm. to podcasts and social and and video and and uh, anything and digital text. Uh, ha- have if when you've innovated. What have you looked at? Have you looked at the commercial model around it, the measurement model, the services model, the skill sets that you have and all the above?
1: Um, so when it comes to innovation, we're not really looking at today, we're building for tomorrow. Um, and when we say building for tomorrow, there is a lot of investment R&D that goes into it. So essentially, where we talk about investment is, um, I, you know, we as an agency do invest in uh, the right tools where it comes to it. And again, it's not about profitability today, but building for competence tomorrow.
0: Mm. And and how have you transitioned? Like, you know, 10 years ago, if we take Dubai, for example, the media landscape was different than it is today. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there wasn't love in Dubai, for example. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, but, I, you know, I mean, like the, the, there was more print. There was, there was probably no real podcasts. I don't think so. Um, I know podcasts is a thing for about 15 years, but there was nothing really, Absolutely. Uh, really locally then. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, how have you kind of gone about that? Like, do you, when you're doing your pitches and when you're doing your strategies for clients, are you going, hey, we've got an announcement to make. We're not necessarily going onto the radio. We're going to pick these three digital platforms who are more in touch and have more engagement. And once they announce it, then mainstream media will pick it up. Do you? have you done that do you do yes, a reverse approach
1: we do we really look at clients and their target audiences um and who is it that they're trying to reach to and then create a plan based on their target audience mm. and as close we can get to that okay target audience so yes uh where it comes to love in dubai podcast they've helped us immensely as agencies purely because uh you're so relevant as what you do as a platform. Real-time news, there's so much um, that there's a huge following, the great databases that we've built, the community that you've actually brought together. I think it's adding a lot more to the media ecosystem. And um, and 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 that's where clients also want to be. You know, That's, yeah. that's where brands really look at uh, being as well. So uh, that's why I said initially when I started the conversation, every client of ours who's come in here has really thanked us and, uh, you know, so so thank you, Richard, for doing what you do. <laughs> Thanks for the plug. I,
0: but I, I really meant it from an industry yeah. point of view. But yeah, fair enough. And, you know, in terms of influencers as well, um, you know how do you kind of do that like often influencers say want to be paid and things like that but but they are a great way of getting messaging out in a more native way they, they can help footfall in, in places and how Absolutely. have you kind of adapted to that as well
1: we have and I think we've it's it's all about educating our client in the right way I think one of the biggest uh, ways in which we differentiate as an agency we would actually sit down and educate a client we would actually say this is what works and um, influencers who are paid they certainly give a brand an ROI. So we truly believe in paid influencers, but we also work a lot with nano and micro influencers. Um, and the reason for that is very different. Um, so so for example, if a brand has um, a sort of mandate, okay, I need to get more views and visitors on my website it would be a different influencer versus I just need a bit more awareness Mm -hmm. Um, so we really try to go and dive deep into what the requirement is what the brief is and I personally love influencers I think they do work they have worked for us in the past And, and that's just a different sort of a Pool of marketing bu- a bucket if you look at the budgets today if you look at a marketing budget there is a huge chunk of budget which is allocated towards influencer marketing purely because it works.
0: Hmm. Interesting and uh, Anishka are there any kind of you don't have to reveal your secrets but are there any examples of tactical things that you've done which is different in terms of teasing out stories or shaping opinions or getting things out there that it, that isn't the traditional way of doing things, even in in a digital form. Like, uh, you know, and do you think that comes from an agency and the brainstorming or do you think certain skilled professions are better at that sort of like guerrilla PR type thing? Um,
1: We've done a lot of campaigns, uh, Richard, but if you were to ask me what uh, it is that we bring to the table, yes, we would sit down with the marketing team, brainstorm, understand objectives Mm. and then put together a tactical plan. Um, a big part of the tactical plan today is communities. How do you bring communities together? And uh, that is a big piece, uh, be it from, um, you know, uh, from a business perspective or even from a marketing perspective. How do you essentially target a community versus an individual or, um, you know, so, so, that, so that's what's worked in terms of a tactical campaign. Um, I think there's so many. I will actually have to think a little bit yeah. more about this, but uh, yes, absolutely. Um, bringing communities together has always been one of the key things that we've done.
0: But do you know what I mean? It's, you know, my brother w- runs a comms agency in mm-hmm. San Francisco and th- they focus on NGOs and yes. they kind so, of yes, call sir. themselves a campaigns agency because, and, and they're often sort of pitching stories to journalists that isn't... Would, would never have anyone's print on it would never have anyone's name on it it's sort of like you know I, I pick up the cover of Time magazine and there's a story about how people are being paid by Meta in Africa and that was their agency you know and it's kind mm-hmm. of like it doesn't that doesn't to me that feels like journalism not PR because mm-hmm. it's because it, the journalists actually wanted to write it but it needed the the right sort of uh, it, it needed the professional skills to put that story in front of them that the NGO mightn't have had. Do, you know what I mean?
1: So that uh, that happens quite a lot, and that's something that we do as well, uh, where we essentially would talk about a subject Yeah. with uh, just creating awareness about the subject. So one of the things we've done back in the day was, again, about uh, safe driving Yeah. because uh, obviously there was enough and more about the number of accidents while using a phone but there wasn't anyone who was talking about safe driving and mm. and you know how are you rewarded uh because you're driving safely
0: and so what, what, what type of client would that have been for
1: it was a bluetooth uh, it was a bluetooth manufacturer okay interesting yes. Yes.
0: That's exactly what I was looking for. That sort of creativity. <laughs> but yeah, but that's what I mean, isn't it? Like, yeah. you know, the, it's got a public service about it. It's, it's useful. It's informative. It helps people. But then there's also that sort of comms message there as well.
1: And that's where we help media essentially identify topics as well. Yeah. Um, as in, what is it that uh, that needs a bit more of uh, public attention? Mm. And then we say, okay, great, this is, this is, and then obviously the story piece comes in very later on in this uh, in this sort of messaging campaign. Uh, but yeah, we truly talk a lot about subjects. So okay. we essentially would put together a research. We would actually, s- a lot of times brands essentially even invest in research. So this is where the numbers would come in,
0: mm. just
1: to essentially give that particular topic or subject that prominence and the importance that is needed.
0: Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, exactly. Uh, One of my observations, and Mm -hmm. I'm going to play devil's advocate here, is that you know sometimes I see the F&B industry in Dubai, and you know uh, there's almost an overemphasis on themed nights and things like that. Um, You know, and it seems to be more prominent. Uh, in in Dubai than other cities. Other mm-hmm. cities the restaurant might focus on a menu or focus on footfall. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas here it seems to have to do more. It has to sort of have a themed night that mm-hmm. you know that, that's shared as press releases all the time. Um, do you think that do you think that's PR led? And do you think that's is that true and is that a reflection of Dubai and the kind of transient, fast competitive nature of the F and B industry?
1: I agree. It is the competition around um and as uh, as marketing professionals are for us our biggest mandate is to how do we make our clients stand out and hence the themes nights and mm-hmm. you know uh, everything else so it's 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 quite um uh, i wouldn't say challenging but yes it is it is it's a very big point of consideration how do you bring in footfall to A restaurant or a lounge how do you do that Mm. Um, and what are the ingredients of success for that particular venture because all said and done they've been we all know there are the restaurants and lounges which have come and gone and what is it that essentially keeps the ones that have been there for so long uh, to stay so that's where the marketing needs to differentiate every single time
0: but what if you don't need um so not being cynical but you know if, if a comms agency says, hey, we need something to talk about, then let's put together a brunch or a theme night. Therefore, uh, we will be remunerated because we get to deliver a press release, yet yet the fundamental problem of the business might be awareness of the brand or it might be um, even beyond marketing. It might be, as you as you mentioned at the start, it might be business. There might be something structurally wrong in terms of... Uh, you know, I often think of like if a if a restaurant is is empty, then the the chefs will start blaming marketing. Marketing will blame front of house, and front of house will blame X, and everyone, and it becomes negative, right? Like, but uh, but if it's positive, if the place is busy, then do you need to create extra things, or can you can you find things to talk about within what's happening day to day in the in the venue?
1: So there are two points to this, right, Richard? Uh, if a restaurant is busy, that's fabulous. How do you ensure it's always busy? Yeah. That's the question on the table. Um, how do you ensure there's always going to be that no football? Yeah. Because yeah? <laughs> yeah. obviously there's always going to be, um, you know, because business needs to only grow. Every business owner just wants to see those numbers grow. Um, so if it's, I'm, I'm, if I'm lucky and I do have a successfully running uh, restaurant, I do not want to make sure that I'm in a waiting all the time. Mm-hmm. And I'm ins- ensuring I innovate even with marketing. Um, if a restaurant's not busy and marketing after doing, uh, then essentially the owner, um, you know, really needs to look into all different aspects. And the why sometimes is not very easy to understand. So that's where you kind of bring in all the stakeholders, understand the why. Yeah. And sometimes you just can't put a finger on it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. no
1: matter how good your marketing is or how good your chefs are, or how good your food is, that restaurant just may not take off.
0: Yeah. And that's that
1: also happens. It's um, like
0: startups, too. Like, you know, you can't absolutely. really identify, but ultimately, if it doesn't break through, it it, it happens.
1: Yeah. And then you need that sort of uh, backing as well. Right. Um, and, and then you look at business as that strategy. Like, what is it that can um happen which uh, which can essentially help this particular business mm. um so as marketing consultants one of the key things we do and when, when i um would sit with a uh, with a client until today we would essentially understand what their problems are uh and then create a marketing strategy according to those uh to those problem statements and then come up with and and then evaluate it very mm. closely how far are we from it? Is that the the you know the, the sort of challenge that we started with, uh, is that still a challenge? Yeah. And work on it until that's no longer a challenge. Okay. So uh, this is where we bring in a lot of business expertise as well. Uh, so I would say today marketing agencies and professionals have to be uh, business consultants along with marketing practitioners. And that's extremely important.
0: Brilliant. Uh, you know, talking as well across... Away from F and B and across the other sectors, I'm uh, bringing up something I haven't asked yet: is about personal brands and mm-hmm. uh, with respect to businesses. You know, at what point do you sort of hero or profile individual people within businesses—the uh, founders, the chefs, the the designers, the fitness experts? Do you do you try and you know if they're if they're not building their personal brand, do you try and put them? in the mix and you sort of bring that out as well and get profile pieces, get interviews and things like that.
1: So every uh, marketing proposal that we put in as an agency today includes a huge element on personal branding especially the founder. Mm. Um, And obviously, the founder needs to be very okay with it because there's a complete uh, strategy and tactical plan that goes along with the proposal. Mm. Um, And we truly believe it's extremely important. While we talk about the business, we also talk about the owner uh, and the mindset and the vision and everything that goes with it. So if you ask me, was personal brand as important 10 years ago? It was, but today it's gained much more prominence purely because of the channels and through which we can communicate yeah. as well. So be it a LinkedIn, you know, um, professionals. And these may be professionals who are extremely, um, uh, you know, evolved with their careers. And they may be bankers, they may be investment bankers, they may be doing a lot of numbers, um, you know, but they yet are looking and building on their personal brand. And this is always for the long term. Mm. So we try to always educate our clients saying that this is a long-term investment towards your personal, um, because mm-hmm. it's it's a journey. Yeah, It's not something that would happen over time.
0: And I'm, I'm trying to fit in all the questions before we yes. run out of time. <laughs> but I wanted to ask as well about crisis management, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in, in this region in particularly that, you know, the being respectful of people and businesses and not, Harming's one, one ability to make a living is really important. It's paramount to kind of culture and society. How does that reflect in um, how things are communicated and shared online? You know, if something is negative about a brand, um, how do you kind of manage that for them? Do you, do you, are you, on behalf of your client, asking for things to be taken down? Are you asking clients to, to recognize that there's that sentiment out there and putting out statements or engaging with the communities and things like that?
1: So communication becomes extremely important when it comes to uh, dealing with a crisis. And we say communication purely because before people start talking about whatever has happened, um, as an uh, as a brand, you need to have a holding statement. You need to know what to put out there. Yeah. And uh, a lot of uh, companies sadly shy away from this because if it's happened, it's happened. And obviously you get, um, you know, a PR expert in in order to draft that statement for you because that is so important Um, and I think the worst thing companies can do is not to talk to the media
0: yeah yeah, fair enough. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> but it's true, we isn't be it? Talking. Like you know, like you were saying before about LinkedIn and personal branding, you know, brands do have their own channels. Yeah. Like like we were talking about seeding things out in different ways or going Correct. to niche communities, but they, they can go to their own pages first. And if they like we saw a lot of this in COVID, that people were afraid to say that they were closed because it might look bad, but actually that's just keeping people informed. You Absolutely. Know? And then if you don't, you know, there was a, there was only a few companies, uh, restaurants in March 2020 that said we're closed now. Yeah. And then they couldn't say they're back open and no one really knew if they were open or closed. But all you have to do is go, it's fine. It's market conditions. We're closed. Yet sure. we've got these services. Yeah. And now we're back open. And, you know, isn't that isn't it true that, you know, that people can really... Uh, just by communicating, just by putting things out publicly, it even helps like transparency and kind of relationship with their with their customers.
1: We truly believe in authenticity and uh, being as transparent you are, mm-hmm. uh, as, as transparent as you can be with your customers. Um, and it may be a bad situation or it may be, you know, it may just be a pandemic. All our clients during the pandemic uh, were advised to put out that social media posts saying that yes we are closed and we will be opening at so and so timings um, but as as a consultancy we always advise uh, to do that and honestly most of our clients drew are, are quite open and receptive to Good. this as well
0: yeah so before we finish Anishka I wanted you touched on earlier about expansion plans and you mentioned India as well um that's interesting it's obviously near and it's a big market but In it's it. It's more sort of, uh, you know, East looking than than even regional. Mm-hmm. What, what sort of opportunity? It's a huge country, it's a huge market. Mm-hmm. It's the economy is growing really fast. What sort of opportunity do you see there uh, in terms of comms? And are you taking it by city by city approach or region as well?
1: Um, the, uh, firstly, the population, yeah. the number of businesses and the number of startups. So when okay. you look at um, the startup sort of space, uh, India ranks third in the whole space and it's really fast growing and we do see a lot of opportunities where it comes to the startup ecosystem startup communications um, and that's the reason of setting up base in India Uh, having said that we are also very closely looking into uh, the Gulf region so be it Saudi Arabia we already do campaigns in a lot of the other GCC countries it's essentially having a physical presence and that's something which is on uh, the plan for the long term as well.
0: Brilliant. But firmly, you're a Dubai company and this will always be your base.
1: It will always be the base, but yes, from here, we look on to the world.
0: Amazing. Well, thanks so much. Great to see the person behind what we often communicate with and really nice to sit down and talk to you this morning.
1: Lovely. Thank you so much for having me, Richard.
0: Thanks a lot. So thanks a lot to Anishka for sharing uh, how she runs her business at Yardstick and you know a deep dive into the PR and comms industry in Dubai because it is a key function of how business in Dubai operates, especially to sort of start up an F&B sector. Uh, it's as I mentioned at the start, it's the first of July. Uh, we will be continuing all summer. Uh, we won't take a break. We'll be here every week. Uh, and but there, you know, the schools are finishing up. I think this week. Uh, there's a lot of travel going to be from next week onwards, and there's a lot of kind of summer uh, travel and summer plans in the air. Uh, but but um, stick with us. We'll be here all summer. Uh, when you're in the, in the pool in, in Mykonos or the south of France, uh, do listen to Dubai Works <laughs> and send us a message. Uh, tell us what you're up to this summer. Tell us what guests you'd like to have on the show. Um, and like comment share the podcasts if you're watching on uh if you're listening and you can also watch on smashy.tv or any of our social channels i'd like to thank as usual Shahir al-kindi Uh, who's our producer who brought in the guests and worked on all the content and Ali Baba who is uh, the video controller and producer as well who makes sure the sound and the video clips look perfect and uh, so thanks a lot to the guys thanks a lot to the team Uh, see you next week